1: This is a more than just podcast production.
2: Welcome to Podcast Season 6, Episode 33. My name is Timetra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario.
3: Hello there, kids, he said in a nice clear voice. <laughs>
2: And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going, going Tim? Are you enjoying the
3: gift I gave you? The, the, yeah, the was gift great. That i it Passed thanks, on to you.
2: Thanks for giving me the cold. Yeah, Jonathan <laughs> and I only see each other once in a while, but you know he makes sure that's a memorable event. Um, <laughs> sorry,
3: dude. I really am sorry. Yeah, that's okay.
2: Uh, well, you also—I mean, you, you're not the only—you know. Um, in, yes, in fairness,
3: there have been other sick people in your presence the last week or so.
2: Yeah, and I went to a meeting yesterday at a, at a in a big boardroom, a big wide boardroom, so I didn't have to sit next to people. And I had my mask on and they're like, oh, your mask is freaking me out. I'm like, dude, you don't want me to take my mask off. And sure enough, after the meeting, they insisted. So I hope they enjoy your gift, too. Anyway, um, I'll find out in four days. Yeah. So, uh, first bit of fact check: last week's episode was actually episode 32, not episode 31, because I'm not sure who copied the notes, but they didn't update the uh, increment the number correctly. And again, like, why are we incrementing by end in 2023?
3: Whatever year this is, right? We expect higher production quality next season.
2: Well, these things have been, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like. I, in xcode my build numbers automatically increment every time i do a build i mean like it's not rocket science i don't know why you know mind you we're using our arcade thing called archaic thing called uh google doc i don't know if you've ever heard of that a google office you know anyway built for cavemen with computers uh but let's head over to headlines and jonathan you're up first
3: while i blow my nose Yeah, we've got some, finally some great news on the strike front. So we've been talking for a while about the ongoing, first it was the writer's strike and then it was the actor's strike and they were simultaneous and then the writers settled. And this week we got great news that the actors have finally settled their strike. And so uh, back to work, it seemed like it happened, you know, there was sort of a little bit of rumbling that something might finally break. There was a few sort of behind the scenes stories out there that perhaps uh, now that the writer's had been back for a portion of time the scripts were ready they were ready to start shooting and they needed to get this settled but uh yeah it kind of just sort of happened this week and it happened very quickly and very quickly after that we started seeing this flood of responses from all these actors saying oh by the way go see my thing um (laughs) i laughed today when uh it was just ahead of the uh, season finale of loki where there was a little video made with uh kehi kwan talking to the camera, saying, oh, this whole time I've been wanting to say thank you for all the nice things you've been saying about me being on the show, but I couldn't because I wasn't allowed because of the strike, but now I can, and it's just it's very funny. Uh, I saw a a promo earlier with Timothy Chalamet, who's going to be on Saturday Night Live, and he just kept coughing going, Chocolate Factory, (laughs) Charlie of the Chocolate Factory, because he couldn't promote that whole movie when it came out, so yeah, it's, Mm. uh, all of a sudden there's going to be this glut of, please go see my movie, Uh, but this is good news it sounds like they got it the headline says tentatively tentatively that was just because i pasted the very first thing this this was i think i pasted it in about 15 minutes after i'm going by what
2: i read on twitter and it said somebody on twitter said the strike's not over until jerry ryan says it's over
3: (laughs) well fair yeah no it uh basically it came together very quickly and in in the evening it came together uh and they basically said, you know, all of our recommendations are that this is signed, sealed, delivered. It just needs to be ratified, but it's very close. And yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like both sides are signed off on it. Now they just need the, the collective group to uh, to vote on it. But it sounds like uh, the, the actors got what they wanted and the, uh, the Hollywood producers are happy with their end of it. And it sounds like we're ready to get back into the business of making entertainment. Uh, that being said, as we discussed in last week's episode, 2024 looks like it's going to be a little light Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that was pushed to the back burner but at least it's over and now we're going to start getting more and more casting rumors they're going to start confirming dates there's been lots of things that have been rumored to be happening that now hopefully we'll get some concrete details on so stay tuned there's going to be a lot of entertainment news over the next little while i think i think it's a great timing with us going into hiatus after this episode right (laughs) <laughs> yes absolutely hey you want to stay up? abreast of what's going on out there please join our slack channel we were we were in there this week we're sharing news i i did have a, a number one fan here tell me this week that uh he said oh i saw this happen i said where'd you see that he said on your slack channel i said there you go breaking news <laughs> yep <laughs> definitely definitely cool yeah uh little star trek news for our star trek podcast we got uh, confirmation a few weeks ago that Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy, the canceled, the the missing link of Star Trek, if you will, on the Paramount uh, Plus puzzle, is uh, coming to Netflix. We know that they're going to have the second season in 2024, but now we know when we're going to get the first season. So Christmas Day is the day that it's all arriving. So Christmas Day, you're going to start seeing episodes or the whole first season that is of Prodigy dropping on Netflix. Netflix so if you want to catch up if you want to get out in front of it if you missed it the first time if you blinked and you missed it then you can certainly check it out there so is Carmen Sandiego joining the cast where in the world <laughs> is Star Trek Prodigy yep. <laughs> yeah we still don't know when when season two is you're going to I forget. Did yeah.
2: We, did we see half of
3: it or something? They basically or? just said 2024. Yeah, 2024 is the is the timeline, but uh that's the that's the very vague window for a lot of projects right, right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it all got bumped. And this next one is really exciting. I think I saw
2: this in the paper, but I think Jaime posted Post I may have read it on Times Post too.
1: Yeah, I feel like this should have been bigger news in sort of our world for sure, but maybe even just even the regular mainstream news that uh, I'll just read this Ars Technica title after decades lost Star Trek's original enterprise model may have been found. So a three foot model appeared on eBay, uh, apparently taken from a, um, uh, was it like an estate sale or something? It was, I, I yeah. yeah it turned up. It, it was, it was,
2: it disappeared from Gene Roddenberry's desk, apparently at some point in the seventies or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So somebody, you know, <laughs> eventually found the ark of the covenant and right next yeah. to that was this um thoughts uh on this i mean there's still some people wondering is this legit uh, i think as of now the the ebay listing was taken down i don't know if this person is is on the lam if they're luring up i who, who knows there's a lot of drama around
2: well, the, the story i heard about the the post being taken down at least in the article i read i don't know if it was the same one here but that i think it might have been on the on the news because um like on rcbc news because they said that the the person had taken it down, and that um, they were trying to settle it settle it to get it back into the Roddenberry family. So yeah, because it was listed for a thousand bucks on on eBay. I saw the listing, and um, it's interesting because it's if you've seen pictures of of uh, William Shatner or uh, uh, Leonard McCoy holding like in their uniform, holding a big model of. The enterprise that's the model and it actually there's a picture in i don't know if it's in i've looked at this article but in the toronto star or wherever i saw it there was a picture of it sitting on roddenberry's desk with him in the background so yeah it's pretty pretty cool looking model and it, apparently it was the filming one of the filming models like the i guess the far away shots right
1: yeah i mean totally different character but like it belongs in a museum feels rather appropriate here Retrofitted. When I was at the at the the
2: Air and Space Museum in in Dallas Airport, it was actually you could see the not the saucer section, but you could see the back end was was in the in the workshop being worked on, right? And I remember when I was I think I was about eight or nine going to Washington D.C. wearing a Archie Bunker for President T-shirt, and we went to the Smithsonian, and I remember seeing that model in like in the Smithsonian Museum. It's, it's like probably like six feet wide. It's huge, right? So, yeah. No, it's got to be bigger than six feet. But yeah, it, it was like, again, another one of the shooting models. So it has technically been in the museum, but you're right. This 100%. All that stuff should be in the museum, right?
1: Yeah. Apparently, starting bid of $1,000 when it was up. And uh, it's
3: really difficult to call it yeah. priceless, but it definitely should be more than that. Uh, I was going to say, history. I'll pay 10 now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll start liquefying the comic collection. You let me know when I hit the right number. And it's an ISO listing on Facebook Marketplace, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. And- get first, I mean
1: let's see here. um you know we talked about the fact that a lot of the modern m c u stuff can be a little bit challenging, and we had talked about you know sort of narratively, you still want the main things to be understandable by mainstream people, and it should be an enhancement when you have you know seen everything as a completionist, so um a little bit of a step in that direction. Marvel has put up the weirdly named spotlight branding that. Is for things that aren't necessarily tied into the larger crossover. So I guess they could be one-offs or hey, years was happening in like a dark alley in hell's kitchen. Doesn't really impact the large multiverse galactic scale type conflicts. Um, it's a weird choice for me as a, as a name because it almost feels like, Hey, we're putting a spotlight on stuff. You absolutely don't need to watch. And I'm not saying you shouldn't watch. I'm not saying it's not going to be good stuff. I just feel like it needed some other, naming to brand this because spotlight feels like oh you should definitely watch this one you know when you're in the spotlight because you're the star
3: well it would have been cruel to call it what they really are doing to it which is calling it the marvel fringes and it would mm. have been a little mean to be like this is the fringe collection you don't really have to watch it if you don't want to this is only out on the fringes yeah yeah i mean it's canon and it's still canon it's just what they're saying is basically you know Take it or leave it. I think this is their way of trying to tell, you know, the casual Marvel fans, you can live without seeing this. But I wonder, like, it's interesting, this branding idea, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jaime. I'm curious if they will retroactively go back and start flagging other things. Although I was sort of circling in my mind the existing MCU content and thinking, you know, particularly the Disney Plus content that was created for Disney Plus, I was thinking, well, what could they do? I'm like, Wandavision, no. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, no. Loki, maybe, but probably no. I was trying to figure out, like, what what have they done so far that they could stick this on? Like, not Hawkeye. I guess they could slap it on the the Netflix stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, it, uh, you know, yeah, maybe this is were- what they were- do werewolf going at forward. Midnight or London, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Werewolf by Night, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Or maybe even what if, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how they deploy this little little uh not fringe banner that they're putting on these things now. Maybe you should put in case you missed it or something like that on it, right? Or feel free to miss it.
2: Well my story here is The Creator, which is the movie I saw in IMAX and it's a freaking amazing movie in IMAX to see. It's like very pretty. Um, but, uh, I think we talked about when these things come out and I haven't done the math yet, but apparently it is going to be coming to digital in, on, uh, November 14th. Um, and that means, uh, downloadable, I think a week later, it's going to be coming to, um, uh, Blu-ray and DVD or Blu-ray, I guess. And then apparently sometime, uh, later, yeah, sorry, November 14th on digital, December 12th on Blu-ray and DVD, and then sometime later, unspecified date, it's going to come out on Disney Plus and Hulu simultaneously, like the last sort of thing did. So it's very interesting, you know, it'd be interesting to see what people think of this movie when they see it. Like I said, it it's it's a, um, an interesting story, but it's a, it builds on a lot of the sort of tropes that we've seen in, in sci-fi in the past, right? But, uh, you know, it's very sort of Blade Runner-ish and, and you know, pretty and the, the dude, I've forgotten his name now, Garth, who does, who did, um, Gareth Edwards, who did the, uh, Gareth what? Edwards.
3: Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you guys are looking forward to seeing that or whatever, but yeah, it's definitely on the radar. I, I don't know. Knowing that it's eventually coming to Disney plus makes it a much more, uh, simple path. Yeah, unfortunately, again, like I said, it was, it was super pretty. I went to the,
2: went to one of our bigger, um, IMAX theaters and saw it, uh, Bank theater. Right. So, Yeah. Um, they have an IMAX at Dundas and and, uh, Dundas and uh, Young, but it's not, I wouldn't, I stretch to say that's an uh, IMAX, unless you, if you sit way back in the theater, it's just, that it doesn't, it might as well just be a big, big screen, right? Uh, other than, you know, the 12 speaker sound system or whatever, but... um yeah, so now it's time for me to pull out my my accessibility soapbox. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I'm surprised that in 2023, in November, we are having this conversation. Shame on you gamers out there for never raising this as an issue. But, and I don't know why this is this this controller, which I'm going to be talking about, the Sony PlayStation Access Controller was uh, introduced, I believe, at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know if we didn't talk about it. I was trying to look through our notes and see if we had this news to you guys that we've ever talked about this controller? No? Okay, well, I'll explain to you what it is. It's a controller for people with disabilities to be able to play uh, games on PlayStation. And I'm actually surprised and flabbergasted, never thought about this. So I'll take some of the shame too for this. um, That the controllers that come with um, PlayStations and Xboxes and stuff like that are not accessible. They're not for people who don't have, you know, working fingers and thumbs, it just it's not possible for them to play games. Um, and a lot of them have modified their existing controllers so they can hold them under their chin and, you know, do what they, they've done on this, like 3D printable hacks. Yeah, yeah,
3: there's definitely been like peripherals you can buy that have yeah. attachments and stuff.
2: Yeah, people have been able to hack their stuff, but I mean, I'm again Sony, one of the like this is like saying Apple didn't do this, you know. Sony's not a small company. I'm surprised that they didn't have something like this. I mean, thank you for doing it and finally getting it out there and finally making it available to people. But yeah, it's for people who just don't have you know um, have have disability issues in terms of being able to hold a controller, or push the buttons, you know. But I mean, you can re and again, like you said, Jonathan, with the 3 3D mapping and the fact, thankfully, the gamers. The game creators have always made it possible to remap the, the controls, right? In most games, right? So, yeah. Anyway, just that's my soapbox. Any time I see something that, you know, about accessibility that's like, why am I talking about this so late in the late in day? Um, gets my, you know, steam comes out of my ears. So, yeah. That's it. Thoughts on that?
1: Uh, this is good. I've uh, seen a equivalent
3: one on the Xbox side. So, nice to see Sony joining the fray. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to the same rules that we hope will apply across life. Everybody deserves to play. Everybody deserves access. Everybody deserves to, you know, uh, be able to to do all the things that everybody else can, irrespective of uh, how many you know fingers, toes, and limbs they have. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking. I mean, like it's surprising. Like you can you can get like
2: a steering wheel that has the same you know the four game buttons built into it. Um, You know, and you can use the paddles or whatever to do different things, or you know, like start a game by double tapping on the pads and stuff like that, but why they hadn't thought about doing this for a regular disability people, not, I don't know it's an moron, but you know, uh, just again too, it's, you know, and I'm surprised, like, I'm glad to hear that it came out it hit the news, you know, this week, but yeah, so, theme is still coming out of my ears. Soapbox being put away and we'll head over to Jaime for some happy Nintendo news.
1: Yeah, it's still some weird news, uh, which I've got other couple of links to uh, be sort of commentary so the headline is that nintendo is making a live action zelda movie so uh surely the success of the super mario brothers movie the anime yeah, because money thing. right yeah and it's a weird choice if you ask me first worth noting because we were just talking about sony this is a co-production with sony um they're going to be footing 50 50 the bill um It's a little weird to me that they chose a live-action film because, as I've thrown in another link here to this um, (laughs) fun, sort of partially intended, to a uh, 1990s Japanese TV commercial for The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, it's a little difficult to get the very bright, cheerful, fantastical look of The Legend of Zelda translated into something that's live-action, so... This is sort of a weird choice. Um, it certainly feels like a much more difficult row uh, uh, road for them to go down. The other thing that I posted here was uh, just sort of coincidentally uh, a fan-made uh, animation about The uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time as if it was done in the Studio Ghibli style, like the Miyazaki film style. And that feels like, oh yeah, you're like 90% of the way there. Just write a script. Throw it through this game engine, and then you're done. Um, I, I'm you know, certainly going to withhold judgment until we see some trailers and castings and other things, but it just feels like a really, really challenging way for them to bring this property to life when uh, you know people enjoyed the animated Super Mario Brothers movie. I just assumed Legend of Zelda would also be
3: animated because it would fit really well. Um, any thoughts from either of you gentlemen on this? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Jaime. I mean, the first choice I think would have been to do it in the anime style, in my mind, and the second choice would have been to do like the the sort of 3D style, like you say, with the Super Mario one. Uh, to me, a live action just seems unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know. I mean there there are multiple takes of of the Zelda Link world across the different games there's a more realistic style and then there's obviously a much more cartoony style i guess for me i've always been a more of a fan of the cartoony style ones like wind waker and and um, spirit tracks and and phantom hourglass and stuff like that so maybe that's why my mind goes there first but i don't know to me it just seems like, it just like they can't do it like dark and gritty it's not gonna be lord of the rings How do they do it and have it be, like, light and interesting and adventurous? I mean, again, we had this debate around the Lego movie. We all thought the Lego movie was a stupid idea. You never know what they can do with these things. But to me, it just seems like it would be a natural animated product.
2: So so Zelda was one of the, if not the first, one of the first sort of 360 go-anywhere-you-want kind of games?
3: Well, the original Zelda was a 2D... you know adventure game there were other games of that ilk at its time but that one really kind of captured people's imagination because it was one well done and two it was beatable which i think you know a lot of the games of that era were a little hard to play yeah, are just unnecessarily complicated, and, and you know, I, there was a few that sort of fit that same timeline. But, uh, yeah, Zelda, again, because of the popularity of the NES and because of the popularity of the genre at the time, it really just sort of captured people's imagination. It was particularly memorable because they made it in that sparkly golden case, which caught a lot of people's eye. Um, but, yeah, it was it really just was the... It's not the best example of it, but it is certainly the most successful example of it, which is actually kind of, which would be the subtitle for Nintendo's uh, playbook, right? Not necessarily the best version of it, but his most successful right, right. version and, of and
2: it. Maybe it was the Ocarina I'm thinking of. The Ocarina was where he, where he had the sort of, he'd he yeah. get on the horse and just ride mm-hmm. sort of thing, right?
3: Yeah, Yeah, they're definitely ones that were a lot more sort of, you know... uh, Yeah, sort of started to explore that three-dimensional world, explore, go on side quests, that kind of stuff. They they, they sort of... You can trace the history of RPG gaming in the the Zelda Link franchise from the mid-80s through till now. Are you guys ready for a shocker? You've never played a second of it. Was it? Yeah, it was NES. So, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, well, I mean we never had a nintendo at the house so that was one thing but yeah i mean they've done a good job of of keeping the franchise alive and vibrant by evolving it and and not being afraid to take some chances and that's why i was kind of surprised like this seems like the most sort of conservative path they could take as far as the film goes right well we got a couple of trailers this week well, we got a, a new trailer for uh, Ghostbusters, or a first trailer, I should say, for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, which is the sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife, the sort of reboot of the Ghostbusters franchise. And we also got uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes first teaser trailer this week, too. So two sort of big, uh, potentially summer blockbuster kind of things. Um, not so coincidentally dropped the day after the strike was settled. So... Um, I thought that was pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, Ghostbusters again looks like they they sort of got the band back together. They're back in New York City, where of course the the first two movies took place. Uh, you know, we see the, the 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 trio of veteran Ghostbusters: the Dan Aykroyd, the Bill Murray, um, and um, Ernie Hudson, and then we also see the young. Ghostbusters from the, uh, the, the afterlife movie. Yeah. Finn Wolfhard. And, um, uh, we see, uh, the Paul Rudd character. So basically it's, it's sort of continuing on from there and, you know, it looks, it's a pretty good trailer. It shows, you know, this sort of idyllic New York summer. And then all of a sudden there's this sort of mystery of this, you know, something, some evil spirit is haunting New York and is bringing this cold wave through. And, you know, um, yeah. I mean it looks I, I thought Afterlife was great. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that was uh um you know uh, I think the young woman's name is McKenna Grace, who played the, the lead in that, the young woman. Um I thought she was really, really good as the as the young uh, teenage lead. And yeah, I thought that uh there was definitely a lot of potential for them to go more with this. So I'm glad they're doing it. And yes, yeah, as, as teasers go, I'm in. Like this looks like fun.
2: No, no, it looked really interesting. I actually, it's funny. I just actually watched the the um,
3: the, the Ghostbusters movie that nobody talks about. The uh, the with oh the one with the the Paul Feig uh, one, the uh, one with the um, mm-hmm. uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, all the women as the Ghostbusters, and I, th- I like that movie. I thought it was like really enjoyable. Yeah, no, it, that movie is super funny, and I I like all those actors. So yeah, Kristen Wiig, and yeah, yeah, no, I. Yeah, it was on a couple of weeks ago, and I just or
2: a couple of I think last weekend. So I watched it again. I've seen yeah. it a few times, right. but it's a, it's a good good take. It's funny. It's funny that the Ghostbusters thing. And even if you go back and watch the original two um, Ghostbusters, they, they they do they're kind of weird, but they kind of hold up. I mean, you know, you've got.
3: Um, what's his name that's retired? Rick Rick yeah. Moranis is just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And Annie pots, and yeah, there's just so many good little bits in it. And yeah, I mean the first one is a classic, just an all timer. The second one, yeah, it's got some gaps in it, but it's still, you know, it's still a lot to enjoy there. I think it, it does uh it doesn't age quite as well. Uh but uh yeah, I mean, I don't I, I like the idea, I like the concept, I like the humor. I think all these movies have been enjoyable and I'm glad they're doing more. Yeah, and
2: it's interesting that they have the cameos, like even with Dan Aykroyd in the in the the, the Lady Ghostbuster one, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if uh, they'll get a cameo eventually if they keep this franchise going. If they could bring any of them back, or if they're they're all kind of sour after the uh, the somewhat uh, um, misogynistic response to that movie. Oh, the so, I, mean, I think I'm the the original Ghostbusters. No, the, the Kristen Kristen Wig and Kate McKinnon and uh, Leslie Jones and yeah, that I uh, just uh the tone of response to that one was really kind of disgusting and yeah, I I think it might have soured a, a bunch of them on wanting to be involved again. Um the other one that they dropped the trailer for was Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now, this is a weird one because I kind of feel like this rebooted planet of the apes thing had sort of played itself out i thought the idea was that it was sort of a trilogy and they were doing the trilogy and your mileage may vary i think that there's certainly good things about the 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 latest planet of the apes trilogy i think there's things to really enjoy out of it i thought the first one was a little weak but i thought the second one was super strong and the third one was pretty good um a fourth one that looks an awful lot like a bit of a pseudo-remake of the original 1960s version. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this yet. It's a teaser trailer, not a lot of details, but a lot of the visuals are very reminiscent of the original uh, Charlton Heston 1960s uh, Planet of the Apes film. I'm curious. I'm curious, but I'm, I'm a little cautious on this one.
2: So as as a, in, in, for retrospect, I mean... Um... Uh, I remember when I remember hearing about, about Planet of the Apes when I came when I came when it came out. It was I think like about nine or so, and I remember kids had Planet of the Apes trading cards. It was like a big thing, right? And but I didn't actually watch the original movie till it was on TV, and it was like in like in the mid seventies, right? And. The time that I saw Planet of the Apes, the Charlton Heston one, they actually ran a um, a making of, right? Because I know Dave Price was talking about it on our Slack channel about the rubber masks. Well, it was like one of the first times they had sort of done the you know the 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 foam prosthetics that they glue onto the actors' faces and stuff like that. And some pretty name, big name actors of the day played some of these these characters, and they were completely hidden. But so the first movie came out, huge big blockbuster you know great twist story i mean even the pierre Boulle book is is really good if you want to read the, an interesting story it's actually told from the put from the perspective of an ape telling about mm-hmm. how this human human went back to earth um and he pierre Boulle wrote oh he also, he also wrote another story too that became a big um it might have been the french connection no he wrote something that that was a big movie at the time it'll, it'll it'll come back to me in a minute but So that movie came out, and then, you know, shortly, I mean, of course, by the time I saw these, they were all, they were, like, they had already been out for a while. So then the second one was Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where James Franciscus, who was a big TV actor, came and played a character looking for the Charlton Huston in the second movie. And that was, you know, and of course, they were worshipping the bomb, and it was almost like a scene out of Tommy, where, you know, there's a scene in Tommy where Marilyn Monroe is, like, the new deity that everybody's praying to, Well, the bomb was the deity. So it was almost like that played up. Although um, Beyond the Planet Apes came out before the movie Tommy came out. But um, and then they then then they started doing what they did in the 70s and they kind of sort of do it now. And they started driving it into the ground, like almost like Fast and Furious. Not that I've no disrespect to people who like that movie. I've never seen one of them. I've seen bits and pieces of each one. But, you know, it's just kind of like it's a it's a franchise that works. And so they just bring it back out and they they log it around a bit more. Um, so there was a third movie and then I think the third movie was actually, uh, escape from Planet apes. And that's where this sort of reboot comes from in yeah, that, yeah. um, Cornelius and his, uh, Dr. Zayas, I think her name is, uh, they, they, they oh, Zira, Zira, I think it's Zira, Zira, Zira and Cornelius, they're, they're characters, they're talking apes, they come back in, they figure out how to do time travel and come back in time. Because the story is that, you know, the, the because of because when you leave the Earth and the way that, you know, relativity works, you end up coming back to Earth in the future. Anyway, it's 70s, let's rewrite the rules. They use the ship that, that Taylor uh, landed on the planet, on, back on Earth with, to go back in time. They find a way to get, you know, they go around the sun a couple of times like Spock would do. And then they end up, you know, <laughs> in the past, right? And uh, so they're in the, se- in the 1970s, and they're running around New York, and they're, you know, they're being taken around into the White House, and they're being dressed, and like, because, you know, they're like a novelty, right? And, of course, there's a faction that wants them to be snuffed out or whatever, I forget what the, the plot is, but at the time, she's pregnant, right? And she gives birth mm-hmm. to... Um, a, 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 an ape named Caesar, and they swap mm-hmm. babies with a with a, a gorilla in a in a zoo. They end up in a zoo, like they're trying to hide from whoever's trying to kill them. So they swap babies. So the the when they're caught and they're killed, Cornelius and and Zira and the baby are killed, but it's not the it's not Caesar, right? And then we find yep. out that the gorilla raises Caesar, and then of course, um. Is about Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was the movie where Caesar who grow, grows up and Roddy McDowell played um, both the father and he played Caesar in the in that one. And of course, he teaches all the apes to revolt and take over and escape from, you know, whatever they're in. They're, they, this is how the evolution of apes taking over the earth starts is with this ape named Caesar, who, who is his own grandfather kind of thing. You know, like one of those uh, fry things from Futurama. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh and then 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 of course then then they really drove it home. Then they had the battle of the planet, which they really started to lose it. It just became like let's get you know because money, let's get this out there again and that you know it, it became the humans who are who now were able suddenly able to speak and have a little bit of society whereas they were wild and untamed and feral in the first movie. They now have developed, you know, technologies and skills and they know how to ride horses and, and carts and whatever. And they um, but apparently it's like it's led by these astronauts who keep coming back and, and in time or coming forward in time. I don't know how that works. but um, Then they made it into a TV show. Right. And all the way through Roddy McDowell is in this this series. He was he was like the C-3PO of of the Planet of the Apes. Coming, yeah. kept coming back in another role. But uh, the TV show was OK. It was on in the, in the I guess the late 70s, 76, somewhere in there. And it ran for a couple of seasons and it was, and it was like, if you were into this, which, you know, you got to remember the time, you know, it was either watch this or the Brady bunch, you know, or fan or fantasy yeah. Island or something. Right. So, yeah. So you watched the, you watched Logan's run on TV, which became a TV show. You watched uh, star Trek reruns. Cause there was no TNG. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Buck yeah, Rogers. Buck Rogers. Exactly. But, and, so they were all, they were all sort of in that same milieu of TV shows that you would watch. And, um, but they kind of, they kind of drove it into the ground and it wasn't until Tim Burton did the reboot of planet of the apes that of the original movie that with, with Marky Mark. Right. Um, and, uh, his, his girlfriend slash wife, um, Bellatrix from, um, Harry Potter, you know what I mean? Hey, anyway, um, uh, like bottom corner. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, just he's got to be in every one of his movies. Right. But, uh, uh, so it's kind of interesting that now that, and then they went back and they did the thing with with James Franco and, and, uh, John Lithgow and, and this new, and, um, Andy circus acting as Caesar. Right. Um, and now we've got the sort of, you know, the golem becomes an ape becomes because Andy circus, you know, like what were we joking about a couple of years ago that, that, um, uh, Andy Serkis isn't going to win an academy award for performance It's going to be uh, somebody playing him that wins it you know yes
3: yes <laughs> yeah that's still my favorite theory is that somebody's going to win for a mocap performance yeah, of Andy Serkis yeah, exactly <laughs>
2: um or he'll win for like 30 uh, going over the 30 on 13 on 13 going on 30 for his you know you know whatever yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. because yeah. I think that's the first time I ever saw him as a human being but uh So it's an, it's an interesting franchise. And so, uh, I mean, I don't go to the theater to watch these, but because to me, like the Planet of the Apes has sort of a kind of, uh, pulling at the heartstrings the way Star Trek and Star Wars do for me. Right. So it's kind of like, it's another one of the franchises that, yeah, I will consume this and yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I mean, I haven't been to, I think I saw the, um, I saw the J- James Franco one in the theater, probably, and I de- and then the rest I just waited till they came on TV or digital or whatever. Um, but yeah, this one, this one, actually looks pretty interesting to me, considering that you know they've kind of the technologies evolved to the point where it's believable. You know, um, I don't know if Andy Serkis is in this one. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, maybe he'll play an elder, elder statesman or something. The last one was pretty good. With with the, I didn't like the Willie Harrison character, but I liked the way the Struggle of the Apes was portrayed. You know the the different classes, because that was another thing about the uh, Planet of the Apes was it is that they had different classes. The gorillas were all warring, warring like warfaring kind of people. uh The chimpanzees were sort of the, the middle middle manager intellectuals, right? And the professors and stuff like that. And then the orangutans were the sort of the higher, more uh statesman class, right? So it was interesting to see how they those roles are kind of replicated in these remakes, right? So, yeah, that's my bit on this. So I am looking forward
3: to it. I got, I got two pieces of real time fact check for you. So uh, Pierre Boulle uh, also wrote Bridge over the River Kwai, which became Bridge on the River Kwai, uh, Oscar award winning film. He won the Oscar for best screenplay, but only because the people who uh, he uh, who actually wrote it got blacklisted during. Uh, mccarthyism uh and i looked up and it does not look like andy circus is involved oh, with oh man movie. i'm not gonna go see it then but it's supposed to be set <laughs> generations after the events of the first trilogy so it's supposed to be a little in the futures which all right fine but yeah but it's supposed to have some sort of parallel storytelling to the
2: original movie is what i'm getting from what i'm hearing right
3: that's what it looks like. Yeah, basically humans have regressed into being sort of feralistic, which is what we saw in the original, and the apes are are the civilized and yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I I'm with you Tim. I I enjoy these movies a lot, but I probably would never go see one in the theater.
1: Hi Mary, mean, you a fan? I have not kept up with the uh the new trilogy, quadrology, I guess, now. Um but given what I'm seeing in the trailers, it feels like they could make a whole bunch more movies before they eventually looped back around to Charlton Heston replacement time. Yeah, really. Well,
3: Christopher Plummer, oh never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Plummer deep fake, deep faking Charlton Heston. Did didn't we? did we establish that uh now that um uh we've we've lost our beloved Canadian treasure his daughter That's should play all tr- tr- those? Or,
2: or you know what? Maybe Schwarzenegger's kid could play the the Taylor character.
3: Oh, well, yeah, he's he's in, he's in stuff yeah. now, yeah. It all goes around. And uh, the last bit of news I had this week was uh, just like I apparently spoke something into existence, which is always kind of fun. We were joking last week that uh, Jaime, you mentioned that uh, Disney was uh, poised to acquire the last portion of the uh, of The Hulu app that it didn't own, they were going to purchase the last third that they didn't own, and I said, oh, it's just a matter of time before they start bundling, and then they're going to make the rack up prices and stuff. It took, like, what, four days, five days? (laughs) How long long was it after we talked about that? You know, you (laughs) should start buying stock, right? You know that. That's what that means, right? I seriously feel like it's at a certain point we got to start putting this money, to, putting our money where our mouths are here. But uh, yeah, sure enough, they announced this week that uh, Bob Iger himself announced that they're gonna they're gonna test pilot the uh, merging of Hulu content with Disney Plus content, which is essentially what we have here in Canada already, right? Um, It's a strange one, though, because, you know, what do you do? Like, Jaime, if you have a Hulu subscription and a Disney Plus subscription, that's probably, I'm guessing, more than we pay for just the single source that we get up here. They wouldn't want to lose the revenue stream. So how do they how do they do that and get their money's worth out of it? I don't know.
1: And I got to double check when when they had announced the bundle stuff, I guess I looked a little prematurely and there was no obvious way to migrate to the bundle from either Disney Plus or Hulu. So maybe they will very soon have that, or if they do already have in check, um, available. At least that would give me a hint of what they might try to do. I think maybe what they can do is do what HBO Max or Simply Max, if you prefer, recently did, which is we're keeping your price the same but you're technically on a lower tier now because they, what did they do? They reduced simultaneous streams on Max. of so that went from three to two. And I think they moved 4k to a different tier to a higher tier. So maybe they'll do something like that of like, Yeah, it's technically the same, but not really as good kind of thing, you know? And yeah. then say, Oh, you're like in the higher tier. And now the lower tier is like, okay, this is where we expect people to come in. It's more than Disney plus or Hulu alone. But it's um, a much more palatable price, probably with the ads tiers as a way to help be a stopgap for any holes in, in where they would want you to go.
3: Yeah. Yep. Well, as we've said before, you know, I think the best hope as a consumer is that we do see some consolidation of these apps so that we are less fragmented. Although if they're just going to keep jacking the price on all of them, we're really also not winning. So Yeah. Hopefully, this is at least a step in the right direction. And we're getting
2: a new Disney Plus app that's going to incorporate. Well, in the states, going to incorporate Hulu. We already have the Star stuff in ours, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess they got to have to marry the two uh, accounts together, too. Like in terms of like the different databases and stuff, which is always fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, bet you there'll be. I, I think it'll. Like, if I had to predict, I think it won't be the weird mess that Max went through migrating to Max from HBO Max. I would suspect the just absorb into Disney plus. So if you are only a Hulu subscriber, you got to probably go do a little mm-hmm. migration dance, reset your password or like two like 2FA that, yeah. codes or some sort of link sort of thing. If you're already in Disney plus, they'll probably say, okay, click this button, you know, click this button to log into Hulu. Great. Now you're migrated. Yeah. Have a couple of different paths to get there. What I suspect.
2: Is there a lot more content on Hulu than there was like there was
1: available elsewhere? Um, I gotta double check. Uh, if we're talking base Hulu, they have their own originals, but I feel like it was largely for, um, you know, other things that would come out on uh, traditional Fox news channels uh, and not the news Fox news. I mean, like, uh, you know, like where you would have seen married with children and the Simpsons and, you know, those sorts of things broadcast Fox stuff and FX. And then it also seemed to have some pretty good partnership with some anime studios because there was a fair amount of anime stuff on there as well but i didn't check to see if it was with like Crunchyroll or funimation or something like that
2: yeah i think hulu used to be one of the first streaming ch- channels as uh, services as well i think because i remember i used to have a hulu account back in the day before they realized i was in canada but um <laughs> yeah no no i mean i'm thinking of like way back like 2010 or something like that and like i don't know if netflix was even around back then or just starting I mean, they were doing the, the, the DVD thing where you could mail the discs in, but... All right, well, that brings us to the main part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek. Oh, wait a minute, there's no Star Trek. Okay, show's over. Uh, oh, wait, no, there is. We can talk about Loki, the finale, season finale, series finale, question mark? Well, there's... Uh, of Loki, um, season two, episode six, Glorious Purpose. And we can dive right in with our elevator pitches. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'll go first. This was a waste of time.
3: <laughs> this way, well, whoa, 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 harsh, 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 <laughs> no, it's from the show, it's just a waste of time uh, I had uh Loki finally stops slipping and learns there's rarely enough time to escape one's destiny, yeah, uh, this one's not quite so great because it's you know without any time to really
1: absorb it so <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to our week, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it wasn't even that long ago, but I, I was trying He's like round and round we go, Loki has to make a Sylvie's choice. And determine what Ooh. does God need with a Jefferson airplane? Yeah. Mm. It's 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 crunchy, you know. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot great there, but it's it was crispy. meant to try to weave all these threads together. Pun very much intended. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my favorite. I know you, yeah, put, you probably have it in the in the
2: thing where where he's like, "How long would it take me if I wanted to learn everything about you know science and technology and engineering and and how long would it take centuries, me? years, centuries,
3: and then then have <laughs> comes up centuries later, centuries later." <laughs> yep. Well, it's it's that's uh, Groundhog's Day, right? Go back, learn how to play the piano, learn how to carve ice. Yeah. you do all the tricks. Yeah. Yeah, this um, this was a pretty epic finale, all things being equal. You know, I I think they were I think all eyes were on it. Loki probably had the best finale of any Disney plus Marvel series so far. I think I'm going to stand by that statement. And that was as far as season one, I'm saying this was obviously potentially the end of the the whole run and they had a lot of lifting to do because this season was kind of a little all over the place, not in a bad way, but it was, it was complex and it was timey wimey and there was a lot of emotion and character depth and stuff to get through. But I'd say overall, I think they stuck the landing pretty decently. I don't know that everybody's going to be in love with it, but I think there's, there's certainly a lot of there there. Yeah. The other, the other way would pitch for this is you could say Loki finally got his throne too. Well, that's, yeah, I had that as, I think that was my final line in here was uh, was uh, Loki on his throne. Yeah, because that was what he talks about in the uh, the very first episode his, you know, burdened with glorious purpose. He is destined to be on a throne. And of course, he does, in the end, get his throne, just not in the way that he ever imagined, right? Yep.
2: So the pew pew? Best pew pew.
3: Yeah, I, I had Loki's walk, that bit where he, he walks outside and he walks off and he grabs the time stream and he you know does all the magic and then he sort of becomes the god of stories and which we'll get into in a second and um yeah i thought that was really quite cool and epic
2: i it to me it was it was interesting i think the the if i had to sort of pick the best sort of struggly part was it reminded me like he had to keep play, replaying the loop and and like you said the groundhog day you know learning to carve ice and learning learning to win the girl kind of thing um he it felt a bit like you know you know when you're playing you're playing a video game and you're in you're playing a level that's particularly difficult. You have to go through like 27 different things to get to the point where you can hit the keys all at the right time, and because that's kind of sort of what he's yeah. doing. He has to get everything to hit, and and he's just replaying. He's gone back and learned, you know, engineering. He's you know he's he's not, he's spewing out all the all the, the technology and pushing all the players into position and getting everybody ready to go. And saying I don't have time to explain it. Just you'll just have to follow me and trust me and whatever kind of thing. And and it it felt a bit like that sort of angst you get when you're playing a video game that you got to beat this boss level, but you got to have all these skills ready to go, kind of thing. You Can't just walk into the level and beat it, right? And that's
3: sort of and you play it like a thousand times till you, till you get it just right, right? It's actually a really smart analogy, Tim. The the idea that essentially that's what he's doing is just replaying a video game level over and over in real time. You know, you have another life. Keep going. You have another life. Keep going. Yep. And then you figure out, okay, well, maybe if I do that one thing slightly different, I can get to here
2: quicker. I mean, there's plenty plenty of games that I play. Like there's levels on Lara Croft. There's, there's Grand Turismo races that you learn how to, you, you over time, you learn the skill you need to get beat the level which is what i'm getting at right
1: yeah yeah new game plus is how some people on the internet describe this where you you already know all the tricks and you're just trying to speed run mm-hmm. to see the alternate endings
3: yeah
2: yeah when we yeah. used to play sonic and jonathan and i used to play sonic on on um uh, the original on master, master system was it, well not master system the one after that the well we had the genesis and the masters but yeah. you, all we used to ever do was play the first level and see how see how fast we could get through the first level
3: <laughs> yep, <Yeah>. speedrunning. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did
2: you guys have different pew 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 Well, mine was the, the one I just talked about yeah, no, game over and over again. Yeah.
3: I seconded the uh Loki walks the green, green mile. <laughs> yeah, the green mile. Yeah, absolutely. Um for Easter eggs, um so there was a couple of really good ones. So we talked about it in uh in the the previous episode, so Renslayer getting um dispatched. So I guess that was in episode 4, right? She gets Um, she gets, um, it's not, not killed, right? It's not strictly, strictly speaking killed. She, she gets pruned. And so she ends up in, you know, the same place that Loki did in season one. And so here we finally see her ultimate fate where she wakes up and she's the same place that Loki was before. And we hear the growl of Alioth, the giant wolf cloud monster thing, uh, in, and know that that's. She's going to actually meet her ultimate fate in the end, right? I was wondering what that noise was. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like... So if you remember the episode where Loki goes and discovers, you know, crocodile Loki or alligator Loki and all the other Lokis. And um, yeah, in that episode... It's the end of of season one, basically, right? uh, I think it was the fifth episode of season one, yeah, where they get stuck there. And Alioth is this giant sort of monstrous being that basically consumes the the people who are mm-hmm. who are stuck there so yeah that, i think the idea is that ren slayer is finally going to get her comeuppance for being uh the person she is uh, especially in the wake of uh of mobius telling the story about how uh, she pruned a child so right now a word from our sponsor Now, back to the show. Um, there's a scene in near the end where B-15 and Mobius are at his desk, and he says, I've got the files on the uh, variants of He Who Remains, and he says there was a thing on uh, Earth-616. 616 is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he's referring to the incident in Quantumania with Kang. So that was that's if you were looking for the tie-in there, that's where that ties oh, into. you know in. the, the file
2: you were asked for was?
3: Yes, yes. Then. Uh, and then, so for people looking for a greater context of sort of what has become of Loki in the comic books, Loki has sort of evolved from being the god of lies and the god, the trickster god. At, at a certain point, he does sort of have this sort of uh, epiphany where he uh, sort of absorbs all these versions of himself and accepts all of the different parts and aspects of himself and he sort of takes on this new role as the god of stories and so you'll probably if you're trolling around the internet or you're looking at socials over the next few days you'll probably see reference to the god of stories which is essentially what uh the role we find loki in at the end of this episode where he is the one holding on to and contributing to these timelines essentially he is he is contributing to that's why they're green right that's why the timelines turn green he's contributing to the evolution of these timelines as the god of stories so I recommend uh, some really good stories. Karen Gillan and a few other uh, creators over the the past number of years have done some really cool stuff with Loki that are worth checking out in the comic book side.
1: Cool. Yeah, Any it's, other... uh, it's it's kind of interesting imagery. So uh, my big question is also the Easter egg of like Loki seemingly creating the Yggdrasil, the Norse tree of yep. life. Yep, and I did some further digging into Loki, and apparently in some versions he is uh, sort of meant to uh, become bound for a completely yeah. different reasons because of the, his involvement in the death of Baldr, yeah. uh, a different god. But bound um, and, you know, in the different tellings, uh, not like this Loki, every time the earth shakes is because Loki is trying to avoid getting poison from a snake that uh, is there to torture him as he's bound not yeah, quite the same here
3: per- per- perpetually drops uh venom into his mouth right yeah and, and here
1: fate. it's not exactly the same but it's not that different of like you know the the sylvie's choice bad joke i was trying to maybe it's like he had to sort of choose between you know uh he who remains said you 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 can't have her uh if you have her then everything dies and you you need me and loki found another way to not have sylvie die but he effectively is is dead to her right he's not involved with her anymore he can't spend time with her because he's got this greater glorious purpose Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh there's a lot of layers to this one and and not and again in an unsatisfying way sometimes they get overly complicated in these stories trying to sort of resolve it all but i thought this was actually um as things go to have taken loki on this journey from you know Kind of a petulant and dislikable, you know, jerk from the beginning of this series to, you know, finding his true purpose, to finding, you know, the 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 idea of self-sacrifice. The notion that he's not going to simply kill Sylvie because it's the convenient thing to do, that he has a larger role to play. I thought that his character arc for these 12 episodes over two seasons is, is pretty satisfying and certainly better than being choked out by uh, thanos and thrown out like a piece of garbage yeah yeah all right you ready for some quotes sure <laughs> um a little bit of a throwaway line early in the episode when he's trying to sort of go back and reset time and reset time loki says i wasted time and now time wasted now the time wasted me i thought that was really that was really well written Um, when he's trying to hurry, hurry through and, you know, speed up the timeline. Introductions. Ouroboros, this is Victor Timely. Victor Timely, this is Ouroboros. Guess what? The TVA handbook? You both wrote it. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Um, (laughs) when he's trying to, uh, when he's trying to, you know, figure out how to fix things using quantum physics. Let's assume I don't know much, but I'm a fast learner and I'm a god. Uh then the Victor timely. I thought this was good. The loom will never be able to accommodate for an infinitely growing multiverse. You can't scale for infinite. It's like trying to divide by zero. It can't be done. Like uh that's one for your math nerds out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he who remains uh, again, I, I thought um, the the performance was really uh, fun. Um, you know, Jonathan majors, um, you know, uh, legal issues, notwithstanding, he is, he is a good actor. And the, part when he's back being he who remains you know and around and around and around we go um just knowing that time is looping and that no matter how hard loki tries he he thinks he's he's trapped him in this this loop where he knows you know the best path forward is just to simply kill sylvie but loki's not gonna have it that way and then uh yeah mobius's line i thought was really good got to keep the big picture in mind which again really sort of is one of the lines that crystallizes things for Loki as to how he can get out of this mess. And I could have written down like 10 more. There's a lot of good lines in this episode. For me, I didn't I didn't write down the actual
1: pacing of this, but you'll get the point. It's uh, he who remains telling Loki, don't tell me, you haven't learned how to pause time yet. Kind of
3: just uh, having fun with that. I, I didn't get the exact pacing, but you, you get the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely... Um... Yeah, again, good performances across the board too. I thought across this episode, like everybody was really kind of bringing their A game for this finale. All right, so the the big question, the the big aha. So this was highly anticipated, uh, probably the highest approval rating of all the Disney Plus Marvel shows, Loki season one, uh, the first one to get a season two, and you know, I think overall, I'm pretty happy with what they did. But what comes next? So, today is also the premiere of The Marvels, which is the last Marvel uh, cinematic universe thing we're going to get in 2023. But how does all this tie into what's next? You know, we've already gotten an announcement that we're going to get, you know, uh, a Kang, Avengers-centric Kang movie. Uh, we know that uh, through the, the, the rumor mill that the new Deadpool, Deadpool 3 movie that's supposed to come out next year is supposed to be very multiverse timey-wimey, bringing back, you know, old man Logan, bringing back uh, some familiar faces. There's even a rumor out there that Mobius might be in that movie. Um, does this... look Loki as the god of stories. Loki as you know the 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 tree of life, holding together all of the multiverse. Does this logically spin into the next thing? Do we see? Do we see Loki again at all, or is this it? Yeah, interesting. I think they'll bring him back
1: um, and have it be a big key part. The interesting part of how they will have to do it is how do you get people up to speed with. Why is he there? What, what's going on? So you don't have to have had to watch all of Loki. Certainly we will enjoy it more for having gone through this journey, but trying to think about how are they going to loop them into things and have it be sensible to people who didn't watch what happened. Or you just
3: slap a Marvel spotlight logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we establish that's how you get rid of this stuff? Yeah. I, I I'm curious because, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston is one of for for me the real revelations of the last you know uh, thirteen years of Marvel storytelling. Right, uh, I, I I'm a huge fan. I, I he was just somebody who grabbed me. I'd never seen him before, and now I would watch him do pretty much anything. I, he's one of my favorite performers. This role is so memorable. His his being Loki, uh, and I've seen him in other things since, and I think he's a terrific performer. I, you know. I think this one almost the only thing that's missing from it is the thing that I found we talked about it in the the Star Trek Picard versus Star Wars last trilogy debate, right? Star Trek Picard gave fans what they wanted. They wanted to see Data back with Geordi. They wanted to see Picard back with Riker and Crusher. They wanted to see all of these people who we love back together again, interacting with each other. And what we didn't get and one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like the, the most recent trilogy of Star Wars films is because we got Luke and we got Han and we got Chewie and we got, you know, uh, Carrie as, as Princess Leia. But we never got them back together. We never got those kinds of moments. Those moments where they were, you know, the gang back Phoenix together. Lucky, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if it will ever be satisfying if this evolved version of Loki never connects with mm-hmm.
2: Thor. Yeah, I kind of wonder that. Like, how do how do they go? I mean, like he he has been time slipping for centuries here, but um, will he go off and have adventures? And and where does where does this timeline fit in with? You know the snapping and all that kind of stuff, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, is it better for for Thor to have moved forward? Doesn't he get killed by um, Thanos? Yeah, Thanos. Yeah, it's the very first scene of uh, Infinity War is the scene on board the ship where we see Heimdall get killed, and then we see uh, Loki get killed, and, and it, he steals the the cube thing, right? Yeah, that the idea is that. Um, you know that's how Loki, or that's how um, Thanos gets his second Infinity Stone. Right, he gets the he gets the the cube from Loki, and he crushes it, and he's got his second stone. And it, again, it it's the motivation. It's what drives Thor through that first movie is the revenge for watching his brother die, and then leads to him becoming uh, the overweight, depressed Thor in the second movie because he kills thanos at the beginning and then he feels this huge like lack of closure in the fact that it didn't really matter it didn't mean anything and then finally he sort of gets it all together again but yeah i don't know i mean those characters are so inextricably linked it always feels like it almost felt a little weird now again it's a different stage of the character this is this this version of loki never uh engaged in the the events of thor of the dark world or of Thor Ragnarok, so this is a different timeline character. He's a variant. He is, but it also still kind of feels weird that there isn't a little bit more closure with those two characters, and and I wonder if that's that's going to come back as part of this whole uh, wrapping up of phase. What are we on five, six of of the MCU? Nobody knows. Well, we'll find out. In 2020-something, when they finally make these movies after all these strikes and delays. All right. Should we move on to the watch list?
2: Yes. Let's do it. All righty. Um, so my first watch list thing I have on here... Well, I'll talk about the second thing first, and the first thing second. Uh, the second thing I have on here is Crown Season 6 is coming out, which is wrapping up the the trilogy, the, the the legacy of Queen Elizabeth and her family, and I thought I saw some I saw the trailer's all about Diana and, and the death of Diana and stuff like that. But um I saw that Kate Milton had been cast. Somebody was playing her, so I kinda wonder how that fits into the grand scheme of things of this of this story. Mind you it's like six, eight episodes long kind of thing. Mm. But uh the one that I wanna talk about is called Bodies. And I don't know if you guys have seen this. I think yes, yeah, on Netflix. Um, it's an interesting story. It's takes place in four time it's timey wimey so which is again another good reason why I like it. Starts off in I think eighteen ninety, um, 19, 1943, 2023, and twenty fifty-three. And in all of those times, there's a body discovered in this one particular alley. That has is completely naked and has been shot through the eye and basically dies. Right, and so and each one of them is is discovered by a detective who then has to sort of figure out how the body got there and how it's connected and the people who were around at the time and um and then you it's basically it's about you, you sort of find it's it's the whole uh, this character this one particular character who's got the time machine as he becomes his own great great grandfather so it's like again the fry thing right so but it's really interesting the way it's told um it's kind of it's kind of put together like a detective story that they all four of them have to sort of figure out um how this body got there and what what the sort of the the, the conspiracy behind it is like how you know who's the sort of reason why is this body there and how does it sort of connect and that kind of stuff. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting cause it's, it's, I think it's eight episodes. long. Ago. the first six episodes are just sort of the de- detectives trying to figure this stuff out. And then they start sending each other messages through time. Like they carve things into the bricks and stuff like that. Like almost like, you know, how, um, uh, Mobius wrote, you "No know, dust on the, on the monitor thing. Right. Um, and then the second the 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 7th episode is kind of the retelling of the story like the like the it, it told in chronological order to put all the pieces together and then the final one is sort of the, the how do they wrap it up how do they solve it how do they you know fix fix the problem that has been caused by this this particular body traveling through time dead body right so it's really really interesting story and uh, the reason uh, what I, I started watching it is it's all british cast and um but I thought what was interesting for us is it stars uh, Kyle Solar who played Cyril Khan on um, uh, the movie with Diego Luna. Andor? Andor, Andor. I think, Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, our, our man Cyril. Yes. So with, I, with his mom. Yeah. He plays is his the, mom in it. He plays the, the 18, four, 1890s uh, detective. Yeah. Is it a limited series or a movie? Yeah, it's a limited series. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then that's my pick. So we'll throw it over to Jaime
1: yeah a couple of uh of picks here um it took me forever to get around to watching extrapolations on apple tv plus which is kind of a weird series and that it doesn't feel so much like fiction as it feels like i got to get a sneak preview of some documentary from the future um of like things that uh, that were going to happen around um climate change and how society changes around that um Recommend it for folks. It's definitely not a feel good kind of show. Uh, at least not to me, because it again it felt a little too real with all of the, the terrible weather in this past years.
2: heard of that So one. maybe the bookend. Hmm? I hadn't heard of that one. Must have missed it. Was it from? when's it from? Uh oh twenty twenty three, so it's pretty new.
1: Is it a twenty twenty three? Okay, it must have been an yeah, early March, one. March 20, then, I feel like I got to it late. I feel like I got to it late, so maybe maybe it's not too late compared to other folks. So uh, that's one you can watch, maybe book in that with uh, yet another streaming service is out there narrow. Uh, but don't worry, it's called uh, NASA Plus, and it's free <laughs> without advertising and somehow doesn't have a subscription. So I don't really know what's plus about it. I guess they wanted to lean into that kind of marketing that's uh, available on you know, Roku, Apple TV, Android, and iOS devices. You can watch live broadcasts as they happen. You can watch historic content like lunar landings and stuff.
2: Well, we get I mean, we get NASA TV with our with our healthcare package, right? So,
1: yeah, this is one of those uh, you you all have socialized sci-fi. We have socialized sci. That's a, that's a key, <laughs> key difference there.
2: Well, I think I think I have the NASA app. I wonder if it's if it's just the branding's changed on it because I have the NASA app on my TV because I watch launches and all that stuff all the time. But we also do have a NASA channel on our TV, and we get like high def.
3: Yeah, I, I watch that one from time to time. They'll do like cool little triptychs and video and stuff and history stuff. hmm Cool. What do you got, John? <laughs> All right. Uh so I watched uh, I think I talked about a few episodes back the uh the new Lego Marvel Avengers uh sort of mini movie. It's longer than a TV show, but it's shorter than a movie uh on Disney Plus. It's called Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red. Um you know these things are fun. It was it was I just put it on. Was looking for something really light one night, and uh, the the basic premise is that uh, the collector from from uh, you know Guardians of the Galaxy, the collector is trying to collect all of the characters who have red in their name. So <laughs> you know uh, you know Red Hulk, Red She Hulk, Red Hulk, all these different you know iterations across you know the and uh, and you know a team of Avengers, which is you know pretty progressive. It's got uh, Sam as the captain america character along with steve as a captain america character and yeah it's it's again it's silly it's fun it's light if you're looking for something to throw on and just sort of you know chill out while you're just sort of you know hanging out and doing your own thing it's 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 definitely uh, exactly what you'd expect but yeah it's, it's not high art but it, it definitely hits exactly what you'd expect it to hit um and the next couple things i've got are all things that are coming out over the next week that i'm sort of keen to get at so the killer which is the new david fincher movie is coming out on netflix on november 10th Mm -hmm. which is the friday um this uh i'm a fincher fan i've I've seen almost all of his films and, and enjoy his work i think he's a really interesting filmmaker this one's particularly of interest because it's uh it's based on a comic book, uh, which I have read and enjoyed. Um, really interesting. It's about a, a- Hitman, obviously, um, it uh, it looks really interesting. I've, I've watched a couple of the trailers. I like some of the actors who are in it, and uh, so I'm really keen to see this. It is playing in the theaters as well, although it's in a bit of a limited release. I'm I'm a little conflicted. On one hand, I'm like, cool, it's gonna be on my TV like this weekend. on the other hand, I feel like, uh, should I should I want to see this on a bigger screen? I haven't seen all of the Fincher movies on big screen, but I've certainly seen a bunch, and I feel like. He makes interesting-looking films, and I don't know. I'm a little little conflicted about that one, but it is going to be right there if you have Netflix for you, so uh, you can choose your own adventure. The next one I've got is Rebel Moon Part 1, so this is the Zack Snyder thing that he was doing sort of post- uh, Justice League, this was supposed to be a Star Wars movie. Uh, then they were like, Yeah, no, this isn't going to be a Star Wars movie. And he's like, Fine, I'm going to make this movie anyways. And sort of, so he turned it into his own thing. This is part one. Part two is coming out in early 2024. I think it's February, March, something like that. Um, it trailer looks good I mean Zack Snyder his movies can often be a little bit um sort of poor on the story character side but really interesting visual I think he's a really brilliant visual filmmaker so I must admit I'm I'm kind of conflicted on this one too. I really want to see it, but I'm not sure I want to listen to it. So I'll be definitely taking this one with a with a, a you know a cautious approach. But I mean, there's no arguing that Snyder can direct the hell out of an action sequence. Um, he really has an interesting eye for um, for dynamic action and really capturing intensity of motion and uh so i'm curious to see this but again weird because it's it's you know it's a netflix thing and yeah of course we all have widescreen dafties and tvs now but it's maybe movie theater i don't know uh and the last thing i had on here is scott pilgrim takes off uh this is a more Faithful adaptation of Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, famous graphic novel series. Uh, it's going to be on Netflix starting on the 17th of November. It is uh, something that I'm looking forward to very much. It basically is going back and telling the same story that you saw in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the, the sort of cult classic movie from about a decade ago. Uh, all the same performers that were in that are all playing their voice characters in this, so everybody including Chris Evans Brie Larson, you know everybody, all the famous people they're all apparently they 've all stayed friends they're all really into it, and they're all coming back to do their parts on it and it's going to be a little bit more uh, as far as the animation style it's all animated and as far as the story it's going to be a little more faithful to the comic, which is a little more believe it or not even nerdier than the than the movie was. As as far as the uh, lots of video game references, lots of, of anime references, um, lots of Toronto references. Um, so, yeah, very cool that this is finally going to take uh, form. And it's actually funny. I just heard through, uh, through um, the grapevine that Brian's going to be here in Toronto next week. He's doing a signing at the Beguiling uh, in Toronto. Uh, I believe it's on the 13th. Uh, 13th? yeah 13th he's gonna be at the beguiling doing a signing and of course i'm gonna be in vancouver so <laughs> it sucks but c'est la vie um you know i've been lucky enough to meet brian a few times and um, yeah if you get a chance uh, if you hear this and you're interested go down and meet brian because uh, he's a good dude and it's, uh, it's just all good timing well
2: cool. and did you notice did you know there's a short uh, wes anderson on one of the streaming services
3: it's on netflix yeah yeah there's there's the, yeah the, that was about, about about a month ago yeah. Okay, i didn't yeah i haven't watched it yet but uh yep with uh benedict Cumberbatch,
2: mm-hmm. henry sugar right yep wonderful world of henry sugar cool all right well i guess that's it for another week and uh another season it looks
3: like um so jonathan people were in touch with you where would they find you you can find me on Twitter or X and on Instagram as at JPK news, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK. Isn't there a Slack channel that you hang out on? And I love our Slack channel and big shout outs this season to Dave and to who am i missing. Keen. Keen, Dave and Keen. You guys have been great this year, really engaged. And it's a lot of fun to hang out with you on there. So tell, tell a friend. It's a lot of fun to, to get a chance to, to connect with you guys on there.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. And Jaime, people want to touch up with you. Where do they find you? I'm on Twitter
1: as at Dev the Hair. All
2: right. And as ever, my name is Timitra. T I M M I T R A. Uh, by the way, we didn't talk about um, on the torture machine. On the torture machine, we didn't talk about Richard Mole. Um, Yet, anyway. Oh yeah, Richard Mall. That's for the uh, after show. Yeah, after show. Yeah, stick around with that. So yeah, so um yeah, T T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine and the Mastodon machine and the yeah, all the places, Blue Sky, Threads, Instagram. Yeah, and and also Timitra T I M M -m I T R A on the Slack channel. (laughs) So until next time,
1: we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: I was referring to the um the, uh, the A- torture AI that I'm using to to do the uh, translations <laughs> and it said t- you know timidmitra on the torture machine
3: yeah which is probably the most accurate thing that's ever been done by one of those machines Yes, it's true that's true. It's pretty torturous over there on the torture machine well, uh, So you written here uh, apple t v plus yeah. So this is, this is my uh, contribution for the after show. Um, I got the note from the good folks at, uh, at Apple that they want to raise my Apple TV plus price by $4 a month. And, uh, no, that's not happening. So, um, I'm dropping Apple TV plus at the end of this month. Um, Especially given, well, one, Ted Lasso's over. And two, given the strikes and everything else, we are a ways away from season two for silo and for foundation, which are the other two things that I'm most interested yeah. in. And so I am applying the Lopez calculus on this front and saying I do not need to be giving my I think what they're looking for now is thirteen or fourteen dollars a month uh, for Disney for Disney Plus for Apple TV Plus while I'm not using it a lot. So that's why I wanted to tap into you two experts and say, okay, I've got three mm-hmm. weeks left of Apple TV Plus, and I have two cross-country plane flights to take in the next week. Lessons uh, in chemistry. What are the Lessons things in that... in chemistry. I should be watching. Lessons in chemistry. Lessons in chemistry? Yeah. For All Mankind starts next week. So I, is that, is that going to be... Yeah, that, that's season three it's, or four? Yeah, who knows. It's
2: all made up. It doesn't, it's all imaginary. Not real. Hmm. um what else is on apple tv plus it's good i mean a ton of stuff i watch on apple TV, well here apple TV, probably ted lasso lessons in chemistry um mm-hmm. invasion i would invasion, say, uh, say the after party invasion. i've
1: only seen Sorry? i would say the after party i've only seen season one and partway through
2: season two but there's two seasons out of that one i haven't watched season two yet invasion is a good one what else is good on here and uh, Slow horses. I know is, horses is amazing. Is, uh, you
3: must watch Slow Horses. Supposed to be really good, but then I know that the new season to that's coming as soon as I plan on canceling it. I was like, oh damn you! Um, so I might, I might save that one for next time if I because I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna re up with it when they no, bring back I had, some stuff. Of
2: all the stuff that I've mentioned so far, like slow, slow horses would be at the top yeah. of the list. So do not collect. Do not collect. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Did either of you watch Platonic? No, not yet. Um, the no, Seth Rogen sort one. Of, uh, sort of on the list.
3: Yeah, I, I like Rose Byrne and I like Seth Rogen, and the trailer made me laugh, and I was like, eh, maybe. They, yeah, maybe. They, yeah, they drove, they showed the trailer too many
2: times, and I just, just cut thinking meh. Yeah, I never really got into it. Palmer was a good movie, if that's on there. Finch was a good movie. I'm not, I, it's better on it, like the, on the app, it's horrible, but on the TV, on the actual TV, it tells you what's on Apple coming to Apple TV
1: Plus. Yeah, it was like movies and stuff that I'm probably forgetting, but uh, you've got series
3: like uh, or limited series like We Crashed. You've watched Foundation already, right? So. Yeah, I've watched Foundation, i watched Silo, and I enjoyed those a lot. Um, but I find it's, of all the services that I own, it's the one that I find myself looking Did at. you watched Severance? Regularly, no. I find myself looking at it regularly, but not watching all regularly. And uh, when I started breaking down the money, especially because I had to throw the coins in the fountain for uh, Paramount Plus to be able to actually watch Star Trek again, I was like, something's got to go, and this is unfortunately it. So why wouldn't Paramount Plus go if we if there's no more Star Trek for a while? Well, that is also an option. Um, although I, I still want to catch up because I, I, I do have um, the last season of South Park plus the South Park mini movies they did, plus the last season of FIFA and Butthead reboot they did. So I have some stuff to work through on that, at least for the short term. And and I think Trek is coming back sooner there because Trek, I suspect, we have no confirmation, but I expect we're going to start seeing this deluge of information over the next couple of weeks now that the strikes are over. I would imagine they'll get a, a release date out there soon for Discovery's final season, and I would suspect it's probably coming sometime in early 2024, or February, March, something like that. They won't want to let people pull the 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 ripcord on uh, the the lopez calculus on paramount plus too quickly
2: yeah so how does it work do you just go in there and say suspend my
3: account for now or do you have to cancel your account and re-enroll later uh so for apple tv plus they basically sent me a note saying we're raising your rates uh effective um december 1st if you want to quit you need to give us 24 hours notice you can quit as of the you know 30th when did you get that email i never got that email Uh, I think it came up as actually a notification in the app and basically said, like, if you want to quit, you quit. And so I basically looked at it and was like, you want to go buy how much? And I was like, well, I know we're not getting those two series because they just had silo was this summer and foundation was this fall. So, like, that's not happening. And yeah, for me, I was just like, you know what? I can wait. I'll watch a little bit of it this month. I'll watch a couple of the shows that I've been putting off and then I'll cancel it. And when I pick it back up, I'll just jump back into the stuff that i like yeah well they got me by the short and curly because they own all my stuff right so yeah but the you, apple one you still a... have all your stuff just because you're canceling the tv plus doesn't mean you don't have your movies no mm-hmm. what, what i'm saying though is um with the apple one oh because uh, you have I, the bundle have two
2: terabytes of space and stuff right like that. yeah yeah yeah, yeah like,
3: that's like it i don't walk walk have, i don't have the bundle so for me that's uh yeah that's that's moot point yeah So i have um three active uh, subscriptions right now when I should get rid of in
2: February hmm. I Haven't play that in a while, but so it's a, it's a
3: good, it. I, I, I kind of wanted to raise this as part of a larger conversation, which is to say, um, knowing that 2024 is going to be a little bit lighter and more sporadic, uh, Jaime, I'm very curious to know, uh, what, how you were applying the Lopez calculus, because yeah, like there's going to be pretty big gaps of, nothing new for a while on things like max on things like netflix on things like you know prime obviously prime is a different one because you are getting a sort of a twofer on that one as well yeah is it uh is it time to pull the plug on a few of these for me what i have been thinking about is like wow you know there's like
1: a whole bunch of these really good picks we've had that i just never got around to actually seeing that maybe now is the time so so all right product managers <laughs> from streaming services, here's what you do. You create a category for people like me that is literally like, this is stuff that was popular that you somehow never got around to watch. Mm. And maybe even throw in a couple of like, Hey, you watched a few episodes and you never finished it, you know, just to give me a cue of things that I can, Uh, you know, satisfy my, my, uh, my cravings with while there is this lull in new content. Like, I feel like there is stuff there that, you know, granted isn't new, just like I, recommended extrapolations which is not brand new uh, but i finally got around to it and maybe i am able to get around to it because stuff is starting to slow down
2: yeah so if you're talking about crazy subscription prices I'm just, I'm just looking at like gibson i have this gibson learn to play guitar thing which i haven't really touched much this year right but i got into it i got it when it was fr- when it first came out when the app first came out it was and so i got an early bird yearly subscription for like 113 bucks i think it's like 99 dollars us right and they have a monthly subscription for $28.99, let's call it 30 bucks, right? So I'm paying $113 a year, $114 a year, but if I paid monthly, it would be $360. Yikes. Yeah, like that's a jump from like a yearly subscription if you don't have the early bird, like, I, well, there's two of them here. There's one 149 and 175, but still that's not $360. <laughs> If, like like most you would think most descriptions it would be kind of close like the medium popcorn thing you know like you move from the medium to the large because it's just like ah it's a couple extra bucks right you know that's crazy eh Look, that pricing yeah that's that's a lot yeah yeah because I, I keep looking at it and thinking well i should cancel because i didn't really play much this year like it's really good because i'm learning how to play with a pick which i never did learn how to do and it's got songs that i've always wanted to learn how to play on it but but then, I, yeah, I don't want to pay $360, so I might as well keep the 130 It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it because it, I'm getting such a good deal on it because I joined early, right? <laughs> hmm. Weird. Things we do for money. Yeah, really? Anyway, I should... Oh, yeah, this isn't billing billed to the company. I should change all my billing over to my company card <laughs> now that I'm, you know, basically working for nobody. You're working for you, man. I'm working for me, yeah. So I joined this thing called a Job Search Council. Okay. Yeah, so there's a there's a book out there. I discovered it from, I belong to a bunch of Slack channels. One of them is uh, like a leadership channel for managers and, you know, staff engineers and people who are like sort of in leadership roles, right? And my CTO put me onto it. And uh, there's a job channel where people talk about going, you know, searching for going through interview processes. And it's crazy. Every every industry across the board, any tech industry, is ha- everybody's having trouble, having a hard time finding jobs. But So I discovered this, this, uh, somebody posted this thing about this book that they had found called never search alone. And it's about rather than, you know, blindly going in and figuring out figuring, putting your resume together and blindly going in and putting your LinkedIn, LinkedIn page together. And then, you know, doing what they call spray and pray where you spray your resume out to like, you know, thousands of places. And then you maybe get a nibble here and there thus the spray and pray. Um, and you're applying to like, just jobs because you know it's it's not like you know it's not like the job you want to do but the whole idea behind this this uh, job search council is you work with other people who are also looking for work and you know so they're like your support group kind of thing like Mm because they're going through the same challenge you are and they you know you get to run run stuff past them and they say yeah that sounds good that whatever and then you ultimately put together what you what the ideal work you want to do right and then they sort of like fact check you on like hey you're you've got this offer and you're going to take it without negotiating they also teach you how to negotiate in this thing but the idea is to sort of like keep you on target with the work that you want to do as opposed to just going out and getting a job and then being miserable like everybody does right (laughs) Hmm. you know so it's kind of it's kind of an interesting way and it's it's um yeah i mean like the the current process i'm using to find work is not working period so might as well try something right yeah yeah so that's what i'm doing Plus, I'm also like, my own my own. Is also getting back onto the IT guy technologies horse, and that seems to be doing okay uh, so yeah. far, right? So, but you know, just it, that's. I mean, the reason I went to work for full time was because I went into app development, and then the bottom fell out of that market in, in 2015, right? So, As Jaime will remember, the, what
1: would, what do we call it? The uh, race to the bottom. Uh, the race to the bottom was, I believe, Rising. the cause of the indie apocalypse. We coined it, or or took somebody else's coining at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also, I also belong to
2: another um, uh, one of the, one of the, our fellow podcasters on another podcast. He's been a guest on our show, but he, on Morgan code, I mean, um, he uh, started a group where people who are independent, like me, you know. So we have a we have a Slack channel we can go to, and we can share ideas and bounce problems off each other, and. So they have a Wednesday coffee call where at noon you get together and everybody like noon, whatever time, and you get together and you just have a water cooler conversation for like an hour, right? And then on Friday, we all post our goals for the week kind of thing, like what we got done this week and what we're planning to do next week. And there's another little support group as well that's out there, cool stuff. Hmm. It's good that there's a community supporting that. Yeah. Well, it's going to be something, right? Because none of this stuff is uh, working out of the box, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's weird because there's. It seems like there's jobs out there. It's just a question of you know fit, pay, place, all that kind well, of stuff. Well, and the right? thing
2: is, I think the, the thing, the problem is like there's a couple of um, recruiters that I follow, and and one of them is like you people are doing being too picky, like in terms of who you're like you you you're not going to get every every point on your resume is going to get covered. I mean, I mean, on your your job posting, you're not going to find that guy who knows exactly the thing, right? Mind you, the, the company yeah. I worked for was very picky about who they would even interview, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's tons, of, like, you know, all the banks have open positions, but none of them are, are speaking to me. And like, hello, I have like seven years of banking experience, you know, like, I don't get it. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Plus, I have a super secret project that's coming out for uh, for um, Black Friday, which will uh, hopefully put me on the map in some ways. But, you know, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to get a... a amazing job and then say to all the people who didn't interview me and
3: like screw you <laughs> you know you had your chance you blew it yeah nothing uh, there's no better revenge than success right yep. that's true it's all say goodbye okay see you guys <laughs> next time bye all right uh, we, bye. We, we, yeah we, we'll come back eventually we promise